I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We are brought Wrangler made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Got a great show for you guys, as always. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Five-star rating and check us out live Monday through Friday on DraftKingsNetwork.com, DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV Plus, and Roku from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern. Fun guest today, Ross Tucker, our buddy here from DraftKings Network, former NFL star. You can hear him covering NFL for Westwood One like my father, but this week going to actually be out covering the Army-Navy game. If you're looking for your college football fix, we got it. Ross has got it there. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins, wide receiver for the New York Giants, also going to join us there as we check in on their season in New York. But, uh, Dad, last night, against all odds, actually decent game, and the over hits in the first half as the New England Patriots get a win over the Pittsburgh Steelers and push them outside of the playoff picture right now. Dad, as improbable a moment as I could have imagined was the Patriots manning to put up 21 points in the first half. Now, they didn't score any more after that, but what an offensive flurry there. Al Michaels had to be dizzy. I, they, they reverted back in the second half by being shut out so that, you know, yes. said, okay, that's, yes. that, well, let's not get too ahead of the game. First, you know, a guy that was a coach, your coach for a, a short time, man, Mike Tomlin, wow, he <laughs> lost us to the Cardinals and now to the Patriots. We'll get to him and what got to be going on with that team. But and also, who's this Zeke Elliott guy? All of a sudden with, uh, you know, with Ramondre Stevenson out, you know, so they, they obviously are hurting there, not having him. So Zeke Elliott carries the ball 22. Now, we didn't have a great statistical night as far as yards per carry, a little over three yards, 22 carries up at seven catches for 72 yards. Zeke, you know, showing up again. So, and Bailey Zappi, the last time a quarterback threw three touchdown passes in the first half, you knew it was going to be Tom Brady. You just didn't know what year. It was 2018. So Bailey Zappi, you know, with all so many backup quarterbacks this year, some consistently being good, some statistically being horrible. 
Uh, Bailey gets a shot who's been bad and plays. Well, listen, when you break the game down, it wasn't like he was firing on all cylinders. Let's, let's also be honest. But he got the job done. And the defense helped by giving him a short field on an interception as well as poor Mitch Trubisky was getting booed off the field and they started chanting for Mason Rudolph. I mean, how awful is that? I, I want to I want on the, on the, be on the side of saying maybe they were just chanting Mason Rudolph because of the name Rudolph and it being Christmas season, right? Yeah, that's the kindest read of it. I can't remember the last time I heard a player get booed by his home crowd that early in the game and that often. Like, it once the interception hit, it was like dead when an NBA player on an opposing team comes into an arena after having, like, a really hard foul against the other team's star player. Like Draymond Green. When he goes into a lot of road arenas, every time they touch the ball, you get booed. That was how it right. felt with Mitch. Yep. Where every yep. pass he attempted after that interception he got booed viciously that Steelers defense another one of those groups that's going to be able to file for hazard pay at the end of the year because dad were it not for them serving this game up on a silver platter really defense and special teams between the interceptions and then the punt block in the second half this game is nowhere near even close enough to party so it, it, it is a lot like dad on a different level what we talked about with Philadelphia where they've been living on the edge the Philadelphia Eagles for yep, so long yeah. when they ran into the 49ers the Steelers had kind of been living on the edge of we didn't know how they were winning these games and now in the last two Matt Canada sitting somewhere at home with his feet up right now kicking up and enjoying a drink watching what's become of the Steelers offense albeit with their backup quarterback so we have we have heard the Pittsburgh Steelers faithful chant two names this year first fight to fire Matt Canada and then to put in Mason Rudolph so times is a tough in Pittsburgh this is a team that was you know, solidly in that five slot. And like I said, their last two losses to the Cardinals and the Patriots, two teams going nowhere. And their final four games are the Colts who are in the playoffs right now, the Bengals who may be still fighting for a spot. We'll talk about that. The Seahawks, I believe, uh, who are in uh, at this point right now. Oh, no, I think they're, they're, they're still on the outside looking in, but trying to get in. And then obviously the Ravens who are, are leading the division. So, not getting any easier for this team that we thought may be able to limp into the playoffs, but we didn't think much of it going past. And I don't know, Mike, if it's answering any questions on the New England side. I think the quarterbacks, both Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, are auditioning for other teams. Would you agree with that? And, and that's where you are, and they know it as well. I mean, that's why when we talk about meaningless game to statistics – they're meaningful to the players and not just the quarterbacks to all players out there whether you you know you're established at that team or or on the fence are you playing for that team or another team so there are certainly individual things that you're playing for I mean, I think for both of them, you're hoping to audition maybe to be the backup for whatever guy New England brings in next year. Like, if you're Bailey Zappi, that could be your lot in life. Mac Jones, it's probably going to be a different-looking uniform for you next year. Add some new issue gear to the closet. But, yeah, it's it's to the point, Dad, where I feel like most Patriots fans are looking up and going – oh, damn, we accidentally won a game. Like, most Patriot fans, I'd imagine, are in draft pick mode because the other side of this that I kept thinking during the game is, what if Bill Belichick, this was all he needed, and he rattles off this insane list of wins, and down the stretch, they play, I think, the Chiefs and the Bills. So, I think it's Chiefs, Bills, and Broncos, and two of those games are on the road. So, they're not going to win these, but the funniest version of the outcome is they rattle off an unprecedented win streak led by a defense that continues to go out there and give other teams a really bad time Mitch Trubisky was very confused by what the New England defense was throwing at him blitz wise but Bill Belichick winning out the rest of these games realizing oh I still have more to give deciding he wants to stick around in New England Bob Kraft letting him because he sees signs after a couple of big wins and they get to continue this cycle of pain yeah and and you know you look at Pittsburgh too they scored you know Mitch went on on a one yard run I think it was to get themselves within three points with like almost 12 minutes to go in the game. So they, they had a chance. I, I thought at that point, okay, Pittsburgh's going to get the lead. New England, who was not scored in the second half after a big first half, is not going to be able to come back on that. I thought Pittsburgh was going to be able to pull it out. Because for New England, they've lost. They've, I think, only been blown out twice, maybe, if I'm, if I'm, I'm looking quickly. Now, yeah, 38-3 by the Cowboys and 34-zip by the Saints. 
Other than that, it's been pretty close games. They just haven't executed very well. And Bailey's happy with three touchdown passes. Two to Hunter Henry on his on his birthday. So congrats to him. Two really nice passes and catches there as well. How about this? They completed the first pass of the season on an over 30-yard pass, air, air pass. Got to be 30 yards in the air. Juju Smith-Schuster catches it for 37 yards. Previous to that, they were 0 for 18. It's the first long pass completion over 30 yards in the air of the season. I guess which isn't shocking for how bad this offense is. I mean, you look at this, you look at it, and you think both these teams are kind of the same, right, of how bad they are right now, uh, save for that New England defense. And it's Pittsburgh still fighting for a playoff spot, which, which just makes you scratch your head like you, you can't believe that the team we're seeing out there is going to be able to make the playoffs. Yeah, and I think that's probably the biggest takeaway from last night, right? The Patriots aren't going to magically fix this. Their schedule down the stretch is tough and full of actual contenders, teams that could be in the playoffs and things that are going to make winning like this a lot harder because you're right, the Pittsburgh Steelers always felt sustainable. So, Dad, as we look at that playoff picture surrounding the Pittsburgh Steelers and a bunch of other teams that are kind of in that bucket. We're getting around the time of year where we're going to start to hear all the buzzwords show up. Things like, oh, the team nobody wants to see right now or teams that are in the hunt for the playoffs down the stretch. And so coming off of this game, especially looking at the AFC playoff picture, do we now get to downgrade Pittsburgh out of in the hunt? Does Mike Tomlin and that defense still deserve enough of our respect to say, hey, it's possible, or at least in my thought process is, as long as Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback, Dad, I can't go anywhere near them in that conversation. There is nothing to fear but fear itself when facing the Pittsburgh Steelers offense at this point, because while everyone's excited to get Matt Canada around out of town, that's only viable when you've got a quarterback that you trust back there. And with Kenny Pickett, the one thing, and I saw Bill Barnwell wrote a great uh, article talking about this situation and the biggest difference between Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky is Kenny Pickett might have flaws. He's not going to turn the football over for you. Right. Mitch Trubisky, right. we saw that last night, is ready to give the other op- team opportunities to put hands on that thing at any juncture through the game. So as long as that's the case, this defense is not otherworldly enough to be able to overcome that over and over. So I would downgrade the Steelers outside of the playoff hunt right now for that reason. Completely agree. That's why I always think the most interesting column is the turnover column. Did the quarterback throw an interception or did he fumble the ball? You know, and we're talking about a year like this year where Jalen Hurts is actually hurting there. Ten interceptions and he's lost four, fumbled the ball four times as well. Can always hurt you, but they're so good in other spots. And Jalen is still obviously a great quarterback, but he's had the turnovers like Dak had last year. Going now to what you said, Mike, I will say this. I will not only downgrade For a lot of the year, it's been three teams in the North getting into the playoffs. I think Pittsburgh and Cleveland both are going to miss the playoffs. I do not think they're getting in. Both of them. Uh, Listen, the quarterback situation in Pittsburgh, a quarterback situation in Cleveland. Plus, you had Denzel Ward miss a couple games. He had a shoulder coming back. Miles Garrett has the shoulder. So how much effectiveness does he lose on that side of the ball? You've started four quarterbacks. And Joe Flacco came out throwing in the last game, but they end up losing that game. I think that those two teams will be out of the playoffs. And I think the fight for the three spots is going to be between the Colts, who I think are going to make it, the Colts, Denver, and Buffalo. I think those – and Houston. I'm sorry. I would put Houston in there as well. I would say those four teams are fighting for those three wild card spots. I think Pittsburgh and Cleveland are going to fall out of this just because of the attrition, especially at the quarterback position. So you don't think the Jake Browning experience continues to be as transcendent as we saw last week then with the Bengals sitting right there in that mix between the Broncos and the Buffalo Bills currently at the 10 spot in the AFC? I don't think it holds, Mike. I don't think the consistency holds. Where I'm talking about Gardner Minshew has been there the entire year. And quite honestly, for this year, if you want to talk wins and losses, he probably would have been a better option than Anthony Richardson anyway as a rookie learning the ropes, right? I mean, remember, C.J. Stroud is an exception, not a rule. So with Gardner Minshew in there, they're they're a little more settled with a veteran quarterback. You have, obviously, Josh Allen and Buffalo, and you have uh, Russell Wilson in Denver 
Denver's having a heck of a year as well as their defense. So, and Houston with C.J. Stroud and what that team is doing. So, yes, I trust those teams and those quarterbacks more than Jake Browning being consistently as good as we saw because we'll see that one real good game and go, okay, okay, maybe they're set. And then they'll come back down to earth a little bit. And that, that's the expectation there. So those, those are my four <clears throat> for three. And I'm not sure yet who's going to end up on the outside looking in. But I, I do think the Colts are going to make it, though. I do think they're going to be one of the teams making it. Yeah, I think they are certainly consistent enough and have been, and they're going to be that interesting matchup for the Cincinnati Bengals team where I'm always worried about list games, Dad. Anytime you got a quarterback or a player that has one of those games where they come out of nowhere and all of a sudden they end up on a list and the performance that Jake Browning had in that game, how efficient he was, how productive he was, over 300 yards passing, all the accolades there. I always worry about regression when it's a player that has been previously unknown and that's been Jake Browning's story. So I'm with you on that one. It's interesting you bring up the Bills because they are simultaneously in the hunt. And I also think, Dad, because I think we're about to get full-blown Super Saiyan Josh Allen. They're the team no one wants to see in the AFC at the very least because the offense hasn't stopped being great statistically. And Josh Allen, when he decides to throw caution to the wind, be a guy that's going to be near double-digit rushing attempts, do the things he did against the Eagles, and I think because every game is a playoff game from them here on out, that's what we're going to get more of. That's the last thing you want to see because with that guy at the helm playing the way that he did the last game, they can beat anybody on their schedule, including the Chiefs coming up this weekend. Yeah, and obviously a big test for him, as we ju- you just mentioned, with the Chiefs who are coming off their 27-19 uh, their uh, loss. Uh, to the Green Bay Packers. So, uh, I, yeah, I, this is a big game. I still think they could actually lose this game, and then I think they could run at the end of the season. They play the Patriots, the Raiders, the Bengals, and the Chargers. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the, at the wrong schedule. That's my fault there. Uh, for Buffalo okay, yeah. after this game, it, it, it's, it is difficult. It is the, yeah. the Cowboys, uh, the Chargers. Uh, the, it's the Patriots and the Dolphins. So they have a couple of tough ones left. So they're going to have to show their, their wear in this to, to be able to make it to the playoffs. Do you, do you go back and agree with me? You think Pittsburgh and Cleveland are going to be out or you still give them a chance to be in? I guess I'll say, how many teams do you have fighting for those three wild card spots? Yeah, I would say I have a lot more faith in Cleveland. Like, I I think Pittsburgh now, this is sort of the beginning of the end. And this is kind of like people have talked about with Jordan Travis, where they said, give him the Heisman, because clearly he was important enough to get you left out of the playoffs. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, maybe you do the Kenny you know, the joking Kenny Pickett MVP argument because the offense clearly looks different without him on the field in a way that I think is going to keep this team out of the playoff discussion I would say you're right I agree I think Indianapolis makes it I think the Houston Texans absolutely make it um, and then I would say the Denver Broncos are probably the other one in the mix for that right now uh, Cincinnati I, I just again I'm gonna have to see the ball yeah. go through the basket again there but I think by default I might keep the Browns in that a lot of that's going to be dependent on this week dad I think they've got a really interesting test against the bank we'll talk about banged up Trevor Lawrence somehow like how are you not dead after the hit that we saw last week but if you're looking for a get right game for a Miles Garrett led Cleveland defense that had zero count them zero sacks against the Los Angeles Rams last yeah. week this Jags offensive line and a quarterback that's less mobile than normal could be the antidote out. Yeah, I, I, I do worry about Miles Garrett, though, and that shoulder and his effectiveness because sure. you rely so much on a guy who was, you know, in that list of defensive players of the year as the season was going on and how it was playing. So let, let, let's see how this goes. One more kind of side note on Pittsburgh. It's obviously we talk about it a lot with Mike Tomlin. He's been coaching for 97 years and has never had a losing season. So does that end? I mean, they're seven and six right now. They finished with the Colts, as I talked about earlier, the Colts, the Bengals, the Seahawks, and the Ravens. Now, we'll have to wait and see if the Ravens are playing for anything. Maybe they might be locked into a seed by that point. So we'll have to see, or God forbid, if they need that win, uh, how they're going to come out in that game. So four games left, and they're one game up on 500, and you can't be 500 anymore with 17 games. So you're either you know a game below or a game above or, or, or better or worse than that. Uh, I, I have, I have issues, serious doubts and, and concerns that it's going to be the first losing record for Mike Tomlin. 
So Kenny Pickett got the tightrope surgery, so he could be back before season's end at some point, depending on how fast his recovery is from that. We've seen some pretty exemplary stuff from guys in that position. This is a lot like how I'm going to need to see it twice from Jake Browning before I'm going to bet that he's just going to be 300-yard passing performances every time. You're going to have to kill Mike Tomlin before I believe he is dead, and you're going to have to kill him twice. So I don't know how, but somehow he's going to wind up there. That is the deal with whatever deity he has in place. And until further notice, Mike Tomlin's above 500 in my peanut brain. Dad, real quick on the other side for the NFC, because we're talking about teams in the hunt there. This one I think Uh a lot more interesting. You look at the teams at the five, six, seven, eight slots. Dallas at the five slot right now behind the Eagles in the division. And then Minnesota, Green Bay, Los Angeles, and Seattle. I think the list stops there because you get to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after that. While everyone in the NFC South is technically in play, spiritually I don't see any of them as contenders, so I'm not going to talk about them in the in the hunt category here. Wait, so you said you said who again? Well, I really think everyone that we've got down until the nine slot there. So Minnesota, Green Bay, Los Angeles, and Seattle all have a realistic shot to do this right now. Yes, the okay. NFC it has got some interesting depth this year in a way that we didn't see. Well, listen, we know we got four in for sure, right? With uh, San Francisco, uh, I guess I shouldn't say Atlanta yet, but the NFC South winner, Detroit, and Philly and Dallas are both going to be in, right? So yeah. we, we, we know that. So I'm with you on the rest. Minnesota, Green Bay, the Rams, and Seattle, I agree, are the four, and I do agree that it stops there. Be a fun run until the end. I'm very excited to see Justin Jefferson back on the field with Josh Dobbs for Minnesota to see what direction that can go. While they haven't played in a game together yet, they have practiced together, and Justin Jefferson has talked about them practicing practicing together and trying to, you know, get on a good page for when they go into the game uh, this week. So that's that's one of the matchups I'm really looking forward to see, or, or duos, I should say. I do think it's also a tight race for the team no one wants to see in the NFC between Green Bay and the Los Angeles Rams, the Packers and Jordan Love and his trajectory through the season, how some of those young skill weapons are throwing, showing up. But Matthew Stafford being back in the lineup for this Rams team that is young and is fast in a lot of positions and has another great opportunity this weekend to potentially show that off. Very interesting out for both of them. And when you've got a veteran quarterback who's also been a Super Bowl winner, you throw that on top of the pile and add it to the equation. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know is it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. John Rahm has reportedly become the richest athlete in the world after signing an eye-watering deal with Live Golf on Thursday. Now, despite previously claiming that he would never jump ship to the Saudi circuit, he apparently put pen to paper on a massive deal, allegedly worth at least $500 million. Rahm confirmed the sensational move on Fox News himself. As you can see now, it's uh, it's official. Uh, this is me finally saying, uh, after all the rumors, some of them were true, and uh, I have officially joined uh, Live Golf. The money is great. Obviously, it's wonderful. But what I've said before is true. I do not play golf for the money. I play golf for the love of the game and for the love of golf. But as a husband, as a father, and as a family man, I have a duty to my family to give them the best opportunities and the most amount of resources possible. And that's where that comes in, right? Obviously, it is a factor. And it was an important one, obviously, in, in this decision. 
Wait. So he said wait. he doesn't do it for the money, wait. and then he was like, but wait. obviously I did it for the money. I mean, just be honest. It was the factor. We all know that. I was just telling you guys off air, there was a pitcher years ago that signed a nice deal, and in the press conference said, this was about the money. I went for the most money, and I was like, Thank you Respect. for John Rahm, who has in the past said everybody's free to make, in February of last year, everybody's free to make their own decision. It's as simple as that. All I can say is from somebody young like myself was the deal I see is monetary. And like I said, like I don't play for the money all the time. I consider the PGA Tour has done an amazing job in giving us the best platform to us to perform. He doesn't like how Liv is played, the 54 holes, the shotgun start, and no cuts. He says, I want to compete against the best in the world. And this was in February. This wasn't that long ago. And then, guys, Mike, he went silent on everything. He dropped out of Rory and Tiger's indoor golf league, so everybody knew this was coming. Just... Say it, John. Just say it was about the money. It's he the most did, ridiculous though. thing. I was going to say. He did. He did, but he blamed his family. He yes. blamed yes. his wife and kids. Yes. He said, I don't need this money, but they're looking at me like we need this money, <laughs> and I have to be able to provide resources for my kids. John Rahm, who is, by the way, in his PGA Tour career, earned more than $51.5 million. I think the kids are eating all right. I think you can send them to private school on that. I don't know. I haven't done the quick math on that. I haven't worry, had to worry about what the cost of sending kids to private elementary school is yet or what it's college funds are going to look like. I will yeah, say. I, yeah. I was going to say, I'd imagine yeah. it's actually yeah. ludicrous right it's now, insane. which is its own separate conversation, by the way. But that yeah. being said, I don't worry about the ROMs kids to be able uh, the ability to be able to attend those schools right now. The audacity, I hadn't seen that clip yet. And so the audacity yeah. to say, I don't play for the money, but as a father... Like, we see all yeah. the time people yeah. do those bad faith. As a father of daughters, I understand what women are thinking. Yeah. He goes, yeah. as a father of humans, I need to take this blood money to play golf. I mean, That was his and, logic and, here. My God. And, and this, this could prove to be a bigger thing. But quickly, again, one of the things he said, this was in February. To be honest, a part of the format is not really appealing to me. Shotgun, three days to me, is not a golf tournament. No cut. It's that simple. I want to play against the best in the world. That's the format I, I want. So, I mean, uh, and, and now that the, the uh, that Liv and PGR are going to somehow combine, we still don't know how, well, right? I, I mean, I was just going to say, the, Dad, does this does this make you feel more or oh, less like that's going to happen? Because this seems like oh, we've been waiting a long time since this announcement. Does this make you feel more or less yeah. like the PGA Tour and Liv are close to a deal? Yeah, do you know what Liv is doing? They're saying, okay, if this deal doesn't work out, we just fired off and got the number three player in the world. You know, and we are gonna, we are not going the other way. Even though Liv has not gained traction from a television standpoint, a fan standpoint, it just hasn't yet. But they keep paying, and what this says is, no matter what happens with the PGA, in my opinion, they're going to continue to open their wallet and try and grab guys. Because there's a uh, no limit it, to the money. There's no, there, no, there is limit. no limit, and and I'm sure guys who didn't want to do it before might be more inclined now to say, well, the PGA is going to merge with them, and we know that a lot of that is happening because of all the lawsuits nobody wants to go through. So since they're merging, they must accept what's going on, so we're now going to take their money. Uh, and in June, now this was all February, then in June, just a few months ago, there was a, uh, there was a clause, and they had kind of a, a firm agreement, and then that agreement was a clause that you couldn't poach that you couldn't take from the other. But oh. a month after that, a month after that, they took the clause out. Took the clause out. Wow. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, took it out. And and so, as we said, Rom silence, Rom dropping out of the Tiger Woods and Rory uh, Indoor Golf League really started. Everybody said, oh, he's going, he's going. And we know he went for a whole, every, that, man, everybody's got a price, right? I, I thought it was interesting, though, to the tune of what happens next for the PGA and Liv. Uh, Hallie Ledbetter does a great job covering golf over at CBS Sports and uh, I believe uh, the PGA itself on like a lot of their social channels. You and I got to work an event with her at the Super Bowl last year when right. it was with Arizona. And she said that this is just her opinion. 
she thinks this actually means the PGA and Liv are close to getting this done because she said John Rahm is a guy who has in the past talked about how important the history of the tour is, how important something like the Ryder Cup is to him. And we know that's been a big sticking point for some of the Liv guys. And she doesn't believe even for all the money, he would have made the move at this juncture if it meant forsaking those things after holding out this whole time. Because, Dad, there is the point of he was offered this money before. Like, this mm-hmm. isn't new to him. John Rahm was obviously always a guy that the PIF fund and the Saudis were going to try and go yeah. after because yeah. he's one of the biggest names in golf, one of the best current guys out there. And so to take it at this juncture with what we've got up in the air as uncertainty, it is interesting to potentially read this as, oh, they might, he might know something about how close right. they are to the finish line and said, all right, I'll take advantage of the fact that I'd be able to grab this yeah. cash, but also might soon yep. be able to still go and get points on the tour and then play in the Ryder Cup, which we know matters a lot to these guys. Because right right now, and, and going back to what you said, in February, he did have a meeting with Greg Norman, who runs Live, and he said in that meeting, Norman just kept talking numbers, money, 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 money. And, and Ron was like, listen, I don't think it's happening now. Talk to my manager. But obviously didn't rule out the future, which we see the future of here. Be interesting the way it goes, because even with this close to an agreement, we don't know what the agreement is. We don't know what it's going to be, because remember that the, the tournament, the live tournaments aren't accepted in, in the world rankings. Uh, sure. It does not affect the majors. He won the Masters so he can play for life. By winning the Masters, uh, gave him a five-year exemption to the PGA Championship, and he won the U.S. Open a few years ago. Uh, so he obviously uh, is eligible to play in that. Uh, yeah, his Masters victory earned him five-year exemption in the PGA Championship and the Open as well. So, and, and those are, have been separate anyway. So I, I don't know where this is going to go. But to back to what you asked before, Mike. The big thing here is Liv is not stopping because we don't know in this agreement what Liv is going to look like. But we, you can tell with the money they're still throwing out that they said, okay, if there's an agreement, great. If there's not an agreement, we, can, we will continue to go after your top players. It's one thing to grab Johnson. They have Bryson DeChambeau. They have Brooks Kepka. Now they have John Rahm. Uh, they have Cameron Young or Cameron Smith, I mean. So they're, they're going to they're gonna go after the top players and throw a lot of money around still. And what we've seen is outside of, you know, Rory McIlroy, who's sort of been the face of this with him and Tiger on the PGA side, for everyone else, we kept wondering, would there be all this live PGA animosity when it got onto the course? And most of the guys that we've talked to in that time since then and heard talk publicly about that, it doesn't seem to be the case. The guys that were friends before this seem to be the guys that are friends after this. And and remember, the PGA players were mad at the PGA for yes. making this announcement without letting them know. Rory dropped off the board, right? I mean, he's off the, the, the board that yep. o- helps oversee. He talked about with tournaments at all being too busy and such, but he's he dropped off that board. So, yeah, a lot of the PGA t- players were all of a sudden like, well, wait a minute, we we showed loyalty. They're getting all this money. Now we're going to have a partnership with them? What you know? And they're trying to talk about ways to get those guys' money. We'll see. I have no idea if it's going to happen or not. Yeah, it's part of all the lawyers and, you know, all those legal fees behind closed doors that are getting hammered out right now as they try and go with this deal and uh, reeling after yet another high-profile PGA star heads to the Live Tour. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. One of the great spectacles of college football is coming our way this weekend. That's right, I'm talking Army-Navy, baby. Okay, both teams, five and six this season. Army currently favored by three. And we've got the man calling the game for Westwood One Radio, friend of the program, Ross Tucker. He's in studio with us. We're so excited to have you here. I'm very excited to be here. Let's do it. One of my favorite days of the year every year. Love the Army-Navy game. Yeah, Ross, this is a special one. So the 124th meeting of these teams, and I think it's interesting to think about this game in the context of everything we're currently seeing in college football. The sport has changed so much. It's dominated by realignment and the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness. Ross, does it feel to you like this game is sort of preserved in amber in the midst of all this change? Gojo, it's so funny that you say that. That was going to be my exact speech to you guys. <laughs> in, in, in an era of all we talk about now is the transfer portal and NIL and realignment. First of all, because these football players are government employees, they're not allowed to get NIL. They are not allowed to get NIL. Secondly, if you want to transfer to Army or Navy, you have to start out as a plebe. None of your credits transfer over, yeah. okay? So they're not transferring. They're not getting NIL. And honestly, almost none of them are going to the NFL either, right? Like, they're not, right after this game, hopping on a, a plane to Florida to start training. I, and I'm sure you guys as well, I have a really healthy appreciation for the purity of what tomorrow is, right? I mean, tomorrow is these guys... A lot of the seniors playing football for the last time in their lives, they know that they're not playing for anything else other than to beat their biggest rival, to try to not have a losing season, and to be able to have those bragging rights for the rest of their life, especially when for at least five years, they're going to be working arm in arm with these other guys on the other branch of the service. Yeah, it, it is... You know, uh, uh, Ross, Mike and I playing at Notre Dame, we play Army, Navy, Air Force all the time. And the, the, the talk after the game is always, you know, the normal football talk. And then it's I, – I always gotten the most chills talking to those players after and, and just, just different. So I've tried to explain to people when I was in, in Philadelphia – our walkthroughs a lot of times on Saturdays were on an Army-Navy game, and then we would stay sometimes and, and watch the game. And just, Ross, to see that in person, it's one thing on TV, but I try and tell people, if you get a chance, see it. And just through, through your eyes and your words, explain just, just the meaning of that game, especially in person. Yeah, you know, Mike, it's funny because it's hard to describe unless you've been there, and I'm glad that you have. That's awesome that you had that right after your walkthrough. But which one of the reasons why I say it's my favorite day of the year. You know, I know people have different feelings about our country, and we know how politics is and all that stuff, right? It feels like it's divisive a lot. If you ever want to feel like an overwhelming sense of pride, patriotism, and really feel like we are still unified and united despite what goes on outside, it's that day. It's that day. I mean, every midshipman's there, every cadet's there, their parents are there, you know, the flyovers, the march-ons. It's just, like, my, I feel like the whole day, guys, I'm like this. Like, I'm just, my, my chest is yeah. filled with pride, <laughs> and yeah. I'm so proud to be an American, and I'm so proud of these young guys. I mean, these guys all have scholarship offers. Now, it might be FCS or Group of Five, but they have scholarship offers, most of them. And they said, you know what? No, like, I'm going to do something from age 18 to age 27 that none of my other buddies are doing. Nobody else is doing. For nine years, I'm not going to just be able to go to college and party and do this and then after college. Like, I'm in awe of the decision that these guys make when they're 18. And then for them to go out there and lay it all on the line just for each other, just to win a game not for the NFL or any of that other crap. It's, it's beautiful. 
it, it really is such a unique set of circumstances. It's a unique spectacle. Like you mentioned, you've got heads of state, military leaders out there for the coin toss. I saw Maria Taylor do a hit for college game day on top of a tank one year when it was in Philadelphia. So you get some unique opportunities. But like Dad said, we played these schools a lot. And I, I always remember for Notre Dame games after that, we always go over and sing the alma mater. And when you play one of the service academies, they come over and sing the alma mater with us. We go over and sing theirs. The version of that that happens after Army-Navy is the closest Mm. to a religious experience on a football field that I've ever seen. It's eerily quiet. Nobody goes anywhere. There is a real sense of in that moment after all this, because make no mistake, these teams want to beat the hell out of each other. And I want to talk about the football portion of this with you, Ross, because I got friends that were on both sides of this rivalry as players who it is it is the Iron Bowl, it is the game, it is all those things and even more wrapped up into how they feel football-wise. But after in that moment, there is that brotherhood of people that know we're all going to be serving towards the same cause. It's the moment that still gives me chills now. So you're absolutely right about the overall feel around this game. But Ross, let's get a look at the football portion of this. Obviously, five and six, not the season that either team expected. Brian Newberry takes over after the long-tenured Kenny Amatololo there at Navy. So what do you expect to see on the field from these teams? Well, uh, Newberry's defense has been unbelievable. Really, the whole time he's been the coordinator there, and now that he's the head coach this year, I mean, Army's only averaging 10 points a game against Navy since Newberry's been there. And they have four games this year where they didn't allow a touchdown. I mean, Navy has three shutouts. The only other FBS team that has three shutouts is Penn State. Meanwhile, Army, you guys are going to love this, okay? Army the whole year went to a new offense, a shotgun offense. Now, it was kind of like a Coastal Carolina offense. They call it gun option. The last game against Coastal Carolina, they came out in the old school triple and Coastal Carolina wasn't ready for it. Can you imagine <laughs> that, Golick Sr., being a D lineman and you're not ready for the triple option? Army came out and rushed for almost 500 yards. We had that first quarter interview with the Coastal Carolina head coach, and he was like, uh, yeah, we, we, we didn't know they were going to switch back to the option this week. It was a massacre. It was unbelievable. Um, so one of the things I'm curious about, to be honest with you, is what Army comes out and does. I don't think they'll go back to the triple, even though they had success against Coastal, because Navy's so good against it. I mean, look, you know, this is a game where you bet the under. I know last year was the first time yeah. in 17 years that the under didn't hit. You know why? It was double overtime. I mean, even if the game just ended after the first overtime, the under still would have hit. So, listen, I had the honor to call Nebraska-Iowa. I am kind of the undertaker, the (laughs) under-expert at this point. So, I'm telling you, take the under again. There's not going to be very many points. There we go. And it's, I think, like 27 and a half points. It's beautiful. It's the way it's supposed to be. It is a game that we are all very much looking forward to this weekend. One of the best all year, one of the best traditions that college football has. And you guys get to hear Ross shepherding you through that call on the way to likely another under. Ross, I know you're in the gift giving mood right now, coming on here, giving us some time this morning. I also know you want to help out some guys like my father, who in the past may have given things like a massage chair to my mom on Mother's Day and might not feel so good about that. What can you tell me about myfrontpagestory.com quick? We got about uh, well, a minute. Well, listen, uh, your dad probably every every year just gets your mom like gift cards. I'm just telling everybody listening or watching whatever, go to myfrontpagestory.com. You literally talk to one of their writers for 10 minutes like while you're driving to work or driving to get a burger or something. Tell them how great your wife is. They write the most or anybody, right? Your mom, your dad, whatever whoever you want to get it for. They write this unbelievable story, guys. It looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper. It's framed. It's beautiful. I've seen so many guys give these to their wives now. It's amazing because they're opening up and they don't know what it is. And the guy's like, "Uh, I just want to do something special for you, babe. So I had a story written about you. Like, tell me that doesn't sound amazing. I had a story. It sounds like you commissioned an author. And then when they read the quotes, myfrontpagestory.com, Skolik Sr., you can get, Chris, you can get her gift cards the next five years if you just get her a, a story from myfrontpagestory.com this year, so you, you some, did something thoughtful and unique. It's all about looking good in front of the wife, so I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to trying that. I appreciate that. There you go, myfrontpagestory.com, the Ross Tucker football podcast. Check him out on Army-Navy this weekend. Ross, have a great call, brother. Absolutely. You guys as well. Love talking with you.
Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. The Giants are riding a two-game win streak, and the fellas had a chance to catch up with wide receiver Isaiah Hodgins the other day. So the 2026 round draft pick had career highs in receptions, yards, and touchdowns with New York last season. He had a chance to chat with the guys, break it all down, talk about the season that is going on right now. Let's have a listen. All right, Giants wideout Isaiah Hodgins, kind enough to join us today. And Isaiah, first and foremost, man, how are you feeling? The calendar has finally turned to December here. We're getting towards the late stages of the NFL season, and we know this time of year can be a huge grind both physically and mentally. So how are you holding up? Yeah, I mean, I'm holding up well. You know, we just had that bye week, so that helped a lot, uh, being able to go home. Uh, you know, spend some time with family and, uh, you know, we're, we're feeling good coming off of two wins and trying to make it three on Monday night. How, how is the team? Uh, where is are you? Where is this team mentally when you come into work every day? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we got a team full of competitors. So, I mean, I think it's just good to see like everyone's still coming in, like grinding every day, competing. Um, there's still good energy in the building. And, you know, we're just trying to stack wins because at the end of the day, like, you know, you never know what could happen and you're trying to put good film out there on tape. So, you know, you never want to go out there and just get dominated, just go out there and just kind of like lay down and give up. So, you know, we got a, uh, the same mindset around the locker room for everybody. Your team this year has dealt with a bunch of injury at the quarterback position. Obviously, we'll talk about Tommy DeVito and kind of where you guys are at currently. As you see that change happening in that spot on offense, you were a guy that came on and had such a strong 2022 season for you guys and was such an important part by the end of this season for this offense. So how did you approach that situation? What did you try and do as different quarterbacks were coming in there to kind of help this team? Yeah, I mean, you just got to get on the same page with them. You know, it's big just for – communication, just getting those reps and like them understanding your body language, you understanding, I mean, little stuff, just like their throwing motion, like uh, obviously like Daniel and Tyrod are a little bit like taller quarterbacks and, um, you know, they have a different throwing motion and like Tommy, like we always say, like he's real snappy with his throwing motion. Like that ball gets on you quick and like out of nowhere, it's just like, boom, like balls on you. Like you just have to get those reps in practice after practice, just kind of before the game, just knowing like how he throws it, what he's seeing, like, you know, just all the different stuff that goes into it before a game. So. So three different quarterbacks, you know, playing uh, on this offense already. Talk about from your position how different that is. Yeah, uh, it's tough. Like I said, so you have to like do a great job of like taking it into your own hands and like communicating with them and getting that off the field, off the practice stuff. Because there's sometimes that Tommy might sit here and go like, "Oh, I like this route ran like this," or "I want you guys to convert this," you know, versus coverage and like. Daniel and Tyrod might be like, nah, like, I don't like it like that. I like it like this. And they just see the field different ways and whatever. So you just have to like, communicate with them so you're on the same page come game time. So what's it been like with Tommy now? We've seen the last couple of weeks. Everybody has been having a really good time with this incredibly Italian quarterback in New York. We've seen all the stuff about Chicken Parm and him living over. This fame has now been thrust upon him. The character here, what's he like in the locker room while all of this fame has now been thrust upon him? Yeah, I mean, he, he's really the same guy, you know, he's um, he's like a humble dude, you know, he's chill. He he loves talking about all the Italian stuff and him growing up uh, here, but he still owes me a chicken parm, man. I, I told him uh, he get, he's getting all these free sandwiches and stuff. I told him I need a couple. So uh, he, he told me he'd, he'd uh, hook me up this week. So I'm waiting on that. But man, he's a good dude. He's a hard worker. And like, you know, we've been excited to play with him. So has he not had a uh, talked about a team party at his parents' house yet where he's living? <laughs> and, uh, that would be that would be definitely a one for the books. That'd be a, a <laughs> uh, it, it'd be incredible there. I'm surprised. Have you like seen the, the images of his family at the game and stuff? Have you guys yeah. seen them all rolling up there? I want to meet his family. It's like a, a huge mob of them just out there tailgating and stuff, smoking cigars. I'm like, I saw it on a, when I was watching the TV copy of the game. I was like, oh, this looks like a good time. I want to go hang out with them. Yeah, they, uh, they're they pretty good at tailgating. There's no doubt about it. But from the standpoint of, listen, he's not a household name. He's not a guy people expected to be a quarterback. Like, did you individually talk to him? Did people, did players talk to him about kind of, I don't know, staying calm? Whatever advice you wanted to give him because this was a situation he wasn't used to. Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely people who talked to him and, like, instilled that confidence in him. But, like, Tommy already had a lot of that, like, especially in camp. Like, you would see it in camp. Like, I mean, people just, like, don't look at it as highly because maybe he's getting rushed with the twos or the threes and stuff. But like he was slinging it around and slinging it like he was confident. And we were saying that like 
you know, when he first came in for OTAs, like, I remember Slayton coming to me being like, you know, he got a rep with him. And he was like, yo, Tommy, like, throws it, like, hard. Like, I, I didn't know that. And I wasn't expecting that. Like, and it's just kind of like, you, that's why you have to get those reps with him. But, like, he, he's a confident dude, man. Like, the team's rallied behind him and, you know, encouraged him throughout practice, you know. So, uh, you know, it's been positive for him. Positive for him and working with Brian Dable, a guy who certainly is renowned for the job that he's done with quarterbacks. You were with Brian in Buffalo there, and obviously a big part of how you ended up over here with the Giants. What's his demeanor been like through the ups and downs of this season? Yeah, he's just uh, been nonstop trying to just encourage us to, you know, keep competing and keep fighting and just like, He's just gone over just all his coaching seasons so many times of like, hey, like I've had this many losing seasons. I've had this many winning seasons. This is what we're not going to do. Like like these losing seasons that I have, we're going to handle it like this and professionals and, you know, just giving us that motivation of like, hey, taking it one game at a time. Like don't look at the record. Like and at the end of the season, we'll be able to look back and like know that you gave it your all. And just like those like nonstop messages throughout team meetings and stuff and practice and bringing energy and effort. So, you know, I, I think it's been helping us the last couple of weeks. How has his approach, if at all, changed through this season to try and extra motivate or whatever to try and turn this team around? Is, 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 is the way he's going about his business changed at all? Yeah, I, I, I want to say it's necessarily changed. Um, like I, I think even in the games that I know it sounds crazy that we haven't won or like got blown out, like we were preparing well and we were sitting there like, you know, going through practice and like our practices were amazing and we were competing and doing all that. It's just like the execution on game day isn't there, like, which, you know, is the biggest factor, obviously. So that's been, you know, a thing that we've been harping on the past couple of weeks. It's like, all right, like we, we got to compete in practice. We got to do good in practice. And then ultimately on game day, like we got to put it all together. Like we can't just not show up on game day. So, um, you know, the last two weeks obviously has helped us. So, you know, we got to go out here and do it again on Monday night. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys are part of the Monday night doubleheader there. Big matchup against a surging Green Bay Packers team. What do you look at when you see this Green Bay Packers defense right now that's especially been playing better as of late? Yeah, I mean, just as you said, they've been playing great as of lately. So, you know, they're, they're going to have that energy. They're probably getting a couple guys back. So, uh, you know, just kind of like preparing for just like, you know, the overall defense, how they fly around, the different coverages that they run and try to throw at you. So, you know, we prepare, we've been preparing for that uh, throughout the week. Off of the NFL, I have to ask you, you and your brother both play Oregon State. What, what are your thoughts as you see the, the Pac-12 now basically done and to boot your team, Oregon State and Washington State, not really with, with a home anymore? Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy, to be honest. Like, uh, I mean, just seeing the Pac-12 like not be a thing anymore is a little uh you know, just like insane to me. Oregon State beat a lot of the teams that are sitting here going to other conferences. So I'm like, shoot, put put Oregon State in there, man. We've been ranked in the top 25 for the past two years. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's just my thing. But I mean, we got a bowl game versus Notre Dame. So hopefully they go out and, uh, you know, handle it there. Yeah, exactly. That is both of our alma maters in there too. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll 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 look forward to that. Maybe get some of uh, Tommy DeVito's chicken parm as a wager on the side for that. But uh, in the meantime, with the stage that you've got now, Isaiah, we know uh, the NFL's got the My Cause, My Cleats initiative going on. You guys have a big platform coming up on Monday night, and for your cleats, I know you're representing comfort cases. What can you tell us about that group and why they were important to you? Yeah, um, they just uh, do a lot for the uh, foster community and um, just different places around the nation. And, um, you know, they a lot of times in these foster homes and uh, places they have like kids are just given like trash bags, you know, like they don't really have anywhere to like, keep their belongings and stuff. So they try to um, sit there and provide backpacks with them with supplies in there for them for different things that they might need from school, for the house or for wherever they're at. And um, I have a, you know, a little experience just like with that because my little sister, uh, we adopted her, and then I had a, a foster little brother as well who we got at 16. So he was able to sit there and kind of just explain, like, just the ins and outs of foster homes and getting moved from home to home. So, you know, that's been something that's just, like, close to my heart. So, you know, it's just trying to uh, do that and get back to them and, um, you know, trying to kind of put that on the map a little bit. Incredibly important, and like we said, a big platform coming up this week yeah. with a primetime game to show just that. Isaiah, can't thank you enough for giving us some time, man. Best of luck this week with Monday Night Football, and we are going to make sure we're using all of our power to make sure Tommy DeVito gets you some of that chicken parm sooner than later. Please, please, I need to try it, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> there we go. Thanks, Isaiah. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Isaiah. Appreciate you guys.